You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Lucas Ann, and thank you for listening to Locked On Clippers. If you like the Locked On Podcast Network and you're interested in joining our team, this may be your chance. The Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager. You can be a part of the fastest growing sports podcast network selling the NBA channel, NFL channel, and the entire network to our national advertisers. If you have the skills, the perseverance, and the game to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, email lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com with your resume. That email address, again, was lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com. Now enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Han. And today is Thursday, June 15th, 2017. Now, today's next time we actually have some stuff to talk about, some real news, which we haven't had in a little bit, but I feel like we're definitely going to have in a couple weeks once we get really into the teeth of the draft and free agency. For now, though, it's nice to get some snippets of excitement like we got yesterday. And what we got yesterday was sometime in the mid-afternoon, it leaked through to some of the NBA reporters that the Clippers are apparently closing in on a deal with Inglewood to build their own stadium and move out of Staples Center. And then later on in the evening, we got word that Jerry West has reached an agreement to leave the Warriors front office and come work for the Clippers. So both of these very exciting pieces of news with a lot of ramifications and we could probably talk for hours about each of them, but I'm going to do my best in this episode to just examine some of the key issues surrounding each move and what it could mean for the Clippers going forward. So first I want to talk about the stadium deal, which is the less certain of the two. The stadium deal, I don't, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. It's probably more likely than not to happen, but it's not set in stone yet. Whereas while Jerry West hasn't signed his contract with the Clippers, reportedly an agreement has been reached and it's essentially a done deal. The stadium, there are a lot more hoops to jump through before we can really say that it's for sure happening. But it's definitely exciting to see it take a new step. Now, one thing that's key to consider in this is that we aren't certain to the degree that Steve Ballmer actually wants to leave Staples Center. We know that he's not perfectly happy there, but he's also been trying to get Staples Center to do renovations. Now, it's possible that he could look into buying Staples Center, buying LA Live, or just buying out AEG altogether because he literally has buyout AEG type of money. But building a new arena of his own is one option for him to get the state-of-the-art fan experience that he's really been looking for. And if you've been to Clippers games in the last few years since Steve Ballmer took over, I've definitely noticed just the change in the fan experience. There's so much more with the DTLAC nights. They have the real musical artists coming to perform more often. They're giving out the bracelets. They're doing the floor projections for the starting lineups. A lot of high-tech, state-of-the-art stuff that was frankly never there under Donald Sterling. Now... Could Staples Center be renovated to do everything that Ballmer wants? I'm not sure because I don't know what exactly his wish list is. But I know that if he's able to build his own arena from the ground up, 
he's going to get exactly what he wants. And what I love about Steve Ballmer is that apparently this new stadium in Inglewood, he's going to fund 100%. He's not going to try to negotiate for public funding. And if you follow more of the political side of sports over the last decade or so, you know that a real hot-button issue has been these billionaires asking taxpayers to foot the bill for these multi-billion dollar stadiums. We can get into the specifics of, well, if the stadium is good for the local economy, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's just great to see Steve Ballmer avoid that controversy altogether, come out and just put the money down, because we know he has it. Now, for those of you familiar with the Los Angeles area, this lot that the Clippers are looking at is apparently south of Century Boulevard in Inglewood between Prairie and Yukon. So if you know the area, you know that that's directly across the street from the old Hollywood Park where the LA Rams new stadium is being built. So I would presume the LA Rams new stadium is north of Century Boulevard and this Clippers spot that they're apparently looking at is on like the south is on the south side of Century Boulevard towards the west of the Hollywood Park lot. So it would be in like the southwest corner of the big new complex that the LA Rams are building. So it would seem to me to be likely that the Clippers would just mostly build their arena there and then above would be they'd share sort of parking and all that stuff with the Rams stadium. I think that makes sense and it's not like it would be terribly difficult to build the schedule where the Rams and the Clippers don't have games on the same days. Considering in the NFL, they only play eight home games. The season only overlaps for a couple months. So at best, there would be a few Sundays where the Clippers couldn't have games in the first half of the season. I don't think that that is a deal breaker at all. Now, what's really the question mark here regarding this Inglewood location that I think is a reason why a lot of us had dismissed this idea beforehand because obviously it almost makes too much sense, right? The Rams are building a new stadium there. The Clippers can build a new stadium there. It's all state-of-the-art and brand-new and sexy, and you're kind of doing this marketing scheme. The Lakers are old. They're playing in the old building. They suck now, and you've got this new, young, energetic Clippers team. The Rams are back in L.A., they, you know, they're next door neighbors in these beautiful buildings. But one problem is that the forum is still right there. And one solution that people had proposed, not people in the Clippers organization, but that I have seen fans talking about is, well, why don't the Clippers just buy the forum? Or why don't they renovate the forum? Or why don't they tear the forum down and build their new stadium there? Well, the problem is, a couple of years ago, the forum was purchased by new owners who completely renovated it. And what they did was they made it not a basketball building anymore at all. They renovated it solely for concert purposes. So you can't even play basketball there anymore. You, it's not even like the Clippers could share it or college basketball could be played there. It's not a basketball venue anymore, but they renovated it to be a very, very nice concert venue. And so what's difficult is having the forum and the Clippers new stadium and the Rams stadium all right next to each other. 
Now, maybe Steve Ballmer's so rich that he says to hell with it and he doesn't care. But generally, these big indoor stadiums are very competitive for concerts. And for the Clipper Stadium to be so close to the Forum, they wouldn't be able to book every night. Or it would be much it would be much harder to book every night. It would be very competitive having them right next to each other. And, you know, the Clippers play 41 home games a year. Let's say best case scenario, they're the number one seed. They make it to the playoffs. They play seven games every round. That's only 16 more home games. So we're talking really about 57 nights a year plus some preseason games. Okay, 60 nights a year the Clippers are in the building at most. You got 300 other nights to sell. And on those nights, you're competing with the forum for concerts. Now, the Clippers wouldn't have to compete for acts like the Harlem Globetrotters or the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But concerts are where these arenas sell out a lot of their available dates. And if with that competition for concerts, it almost seems like an untenable spot. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how they resolve that issue. The other thing is that the Clippers' lease in Staples Center runs through 2024. Now, they could try to get out of the lease early. They could buy themselves out of the lease. They could let it run its course. I mean, a stadium is going to take several years to build. If you think of it this way, we're in 2017 right now, and this is still largely a rumor. We haven't heard anything coming from the Clippers officially about it. And even if that announcement comes tomorrow, they're still far away from actually breaking ground, and even then it's going to take years to build. So I wouldn't expect a stadium to be ready for at least three or four years, and that's like if they do a rush job. But knowing that they have the Staples Center lease until 2024, it wouldn't shock me if the Clippers take their time. You know, Steve Ballmer is 61. I'm sure he'd love the stadium tomorrow. But it's not like he's 85 and he wants to make sure it happens. He's going to be here in five years when the stadium's built. So I, I'm not sure that it's necessarily a huge concern to get to get it done right away, especially with that Staples Center lease still being there. But overall, I think it's I think it's great. You know, for me coming up from or coming down, I guess from the Santa Clarita Valley, where the 405 and the five split. Downtown and Inglewood are about the same distance. Downtown down to 5, Inglewood down to 405. And, you know, the traffic's going to suck. It'll, it's still going to take me an hour plus to get to games. But it's not like they're going somewhere where it's going to be even worse. Like if they went down to Orange County, I wouldn't even really be able to go to games ever. Now, for people, I, I know I've seen a lot of people saying, complaining that the stadium's going to be further away. Some people happy because the stadium's going to be closer. I wouldn't worry about that too much yet. Because again, we're talking years and years in the future. So I've seen complaints that downtown by the Staples Center, there's a lot of public transit. There's not as much public transit going through Inglewood. Well, in five years when there's a brand new NFL stadium there and a brand new NBA stadium there, there's probably going to be more trans um, transit going through the area. I see people complaining that Downtown has, you know, nicer restaurants and walking areas around Staples Center. Inglewood isn't as nice a part of town. And that's true. But 
that area around Staples Center, if you guys remember just five years ago, ten years ago, was not as nice after games as it is now. A lot of those restaurants and apartment buildings are new. And as part of this development deal that the Rams have, they're building apartment cities and restaurants and shopping areas in that huge lot that they purchased. And sure enough, when there's a brand new NFL stadium there and a brand new NBA stadium there, nicer restaurants are going to pop up. It's going to become a nicer area, just like happened with Staples Center over time in downtown. So that's not something I think to be overly worried about. It's not something to, to beat yourself up over. And I think it's exciting for the Clippers, if they do pull off this move, to just get out of the Lakers' shadow in another way. And like I said, you know, it really doesn't matter that much. You put guys out there with two hoops and a basketball, and they're going to play. And it, it doesn't matter if you play in a nice arena or not if you're going to win a championship or not. But it's just big, I think, as far as pride, psychology. You know, a lot of us in the Clippers fan base don't think of the Clippers as the little brother of the Los Angeles basketball teams. I mean, we were the worst team for a long time, but, you know, I never felt that kind of little brother vibe. But a lot of people do, and a lot of people even now that the Clippers have been much more successful than the Lakers for an extended period of time, see it like, yeah, the little brother's having his day, but there's still this giant, and the Clippers are still living in the giant shadow. Now, this is not something you fix overnight, but it's something that generationally you can overcome by making the Clippers cool. And I think already, again, if you live in the Los Angeles area, you've seen... Stores are more likely to have Clippers gear now than they were five years ago or ten years ago. There's still way more Lakers stuff than Clippers stuff, but it's better now at least. I feel like when I work with kids, you know, doing basketball coaching, I'm more likely to see kids who are wearing a Clippers jersey to practice or wearing a Clippers t-shirt or who want to go to the Clippers game. The Lakers just aren't as cool because a lot of these kids grew up when the Lakers losing all the time. And I even see more parents now. You know, a lot of a lot of casual fans are just more willing to, you know, it's not like they hate the Lakers or hate the Clippers, but when the Lakers were good, that's the game they were watching, that's the game they were going to, that's the t-shirt they were buying. Now that the Clippers are good, that's the game they're watching, that's the game they're going to, that's the t-shirt that they're buying. So it's slow and it's gradual and it's far from being oh, L.A. is the Clippers city now, and an arena isn't going to change that. But I think it is a big step in the right direction of kind of coming into their own as a franchise, which is something that they never did under Donald Sterling because Donald Sterling never cared to do it. He was happy to just make some money every year. Steve Ballmer is a little more ambitious with his vision for the team, and I think, you know, as Clippers fans, we should all be grateful for that because he's just kind of the dream owner as far as, a sports fan could could want I mean the richest owner in professional sports in the world willing to foot the bill you know so energetic and cheerful on the sidelines he doesn't meddle in team affairs Steve Ballmer's awesome now when we talk about this new stadium we have to we have to get tickets right to go sit in the new stadium and buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time and it's always been hard to find the best deal for the gamer show that you want to go to and none of the other ticket sites want to change that but SeatGeek is different 
They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code LOCLIPPERS and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOCLIPPERS today. Now moving on to our second piece of news. The Clippers have reportedly reached an agreement with Jerry West to leave the Golden State Warriors front office and come join the Clippers front office. Now, we aren't sure he doesn't have a title yet with the Clippers, and even if he did have a title, if it was vice president of basketball operations or consultant or executive board member, whatever it is, we don't we would have a hard time knowing exactly what that means. So I think one thing that one important distinction that I hope we get some clues on early on is going to be what happens when he's in the same room as Doc Rivers slash is he in the same room as Doc Rivers? And the reason I ask this question is because for the last few years, Doc Rivers has kind of had free reign of the Clippers organization. No one can tell him what to do. Steve Ballmer can, but he doesn't. Steve Ballmer is not really a basketball guy. He doesn't interfere. He's let Doc do whatever he wants. And within the organization, Doc's the big gun. You know, assistant GM, head of scouting, whatever, all those guys report to him. So I'm not saying that there aren't dissenting voices in the room willing to tell him, hey, Doc, you know, Doc says he wants to do something. Someone else says, Doc, I think we should do this instead. I don't know what it's like in the war room, so I can't say whether it's groupthink or a healthy dialogue. But what I do know is that ultimately, Doc makes all the decisions and hasn't really had anyone to be accountable to because Steve Ballmer has been so laid back. So it's possible that Jerry West is just here to advise Steve Ballmer. When Doc comes to Steve Ballmer with a trade, and Ballmer normally would just say, okay, do whatever you want. Maybe now Jerry West is here saying, well, we shouldn't trade a first-round pick for a rental of Jeff Green. We have to have a longer view. Or maybe he's saying, you need Doc to push for a trade. We need to shore up this roster hole going into the playoffs. Maybe he pushes for the mellow trade that the Clippers haven't been able to get done and says, we should throw in the first-round picks. And it, he, you know, Ballmer can kind of put that pressure on Doc now. Maybe even if it comes time to move on from Doc Rivers, Jerry West is the guy who can shape the organization by conducting a hiring search. Because that's one thing that I've questioned repeatedly in the past. If the Clippers were to fire Doc Rivers, how would Steve Ballmer rebuild the organization not having much experience in basketball? It seems like the first thing that you would want to do is bring in someone who you really trust and then let them do things. And the problem is that that would almost definitely be a, a general manager. So even if you were, you know, really brought millions and millions of dollars to lure David Griffin away from Cleveland, 
you'd just be giving the keys to another guy without much accountability. Now, with Jerry West in the building, he's not going to be the general manager, but he can help you hire a general manager. He can help you hire coaches. He can build a vision for the team, even though at 80 years old, it's not like he's going to be a part of some 25-year plan, but he can help lay the groundwork for a long-term culture change for a healthy organization. And I think that's big. But he could also be in the room with Doc Rivers. Maybe he's advising Doc. Maybe he's another voice at the table, but Doc ultimately has the final say. Or maybe Doc is accountable to him. You know, I don't think Jerry West wants to be too hands-on because then he would just be the GM. But he hasn't wanted to be a GM for a while now, especially at 80 years old. So I don't think he's going to be saying, no, we have to counter with this, with this offer in these negotiations. No, we have to pursue this backup point guard instead of that backup point guard. But I do think he's going to have his voice heard on big issues. And it's going to be interesting to see, for example, if something really big comes along, like a potential Carmelo Anthony trade, and Doc Rivers wants one thing, and Jerry West wants another thing, what is exactly the chain of command? Does Doc overrule Jerry, and Jerry's just an advisor to him? Does Jerry overrule Doc, just doesn't interfere too much or does Doc have final say within basketball operations and then he takes things to Balmer who Jerry can advise to say yes or no to and ultimately it's Balmer's decision these kind of organizational questions are complex but important because unless you have a good flow of communication and command you can really create room for confusion and tension because if there's this weird thing where Jerry West is advising Doc, but then also advising Balmer to go against what Doc wants, that could create some tension. I doubt that the three of them are going to spend very much time in the room together discussing trades and all that. Unless Jerry West has a more hands-on role than I thought, and he's working either above Doc or like directly with Doc, and he's in the room for a lot of these negotiations. But it seems to me that his role as a consultant more implies big picture, stand back, almost like a veto power, not necessarily in the room, in the war room. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how it works out. I'm very excited that Clippers got Jerry West. I think he's a smart guy, a very very well respected guy who brings a lot of legitimacy to the organization and like I said talking earlier in the episode about Steve Ballmer kind of being the dream owner talk about a culture change not just Blake Griffin and Chris Paul bringing winning to the Clippers but Steve Ballmer building this new organization and now a guy like Jerry West imagine 10 years ago the idea that a guy like Jerry West would come work for the Clippers not even in your wildest dreams. Ten years ago, Donald Sterling was in contract disputes with Elgin Baylor because Elgin Baylor was supposed to be making like 500000 a year and Donald Sterling didn't want to pay him. I mean, think of that. Compared to where we are now, we don't know what Jerry West got from the Clippers, but I believe that he had an ownership stake in the Warriors. A small one, but still an ownership stake that is worth a lot, you know, equity, it increases in value. And so 
presumably he was given an ownership stake as part of his deal with the Clippers. So Ballmer's giving up a lot to put together this staff that he thinks is going to take him where he wants to go. And Donald Sterling was never willing to do that. One thing that's really good to get Jerry West, I think, is in time for the draft. Because now it seems like the Clippers could potentially buy into the draft. And Jerry West has always been known as a very good scout. And his son, Ryan West, who's the director of, I believe his title is Director of Player Personnel for the Lakers, could reportedly be coming over to the Clippers as well. And he's also has a reputation as a very good scout. So getting those two guys in the organization might help with drafting. And then one last thing to consider on Jerry West. He, we don't know to what extent he was the architect of these great Warriors teams. And I think it deserves to be said that whether he had a strong voice or whether he just happened to be there when it happened, a lot of what happened for the Warriors was luck. And that's not to take away from their greatness, just to say that any great team has to get lucky sometimes. The Lakers had to be lucky that Kobe forced his way to them. The Bulls were lucky that Jordan dropped to number two. The Warriors were lucky that Steph Curry had that ankle situation that let them sign him for so cheap. And then lucky again that the cap spike just happened in the year when they just set the record and one of the best players in the NBA was a free agent and willing to come join them. In a sense, you can create your own luck, and in a sense, you can't. You know, some things are just fluky. What if Steph Curry had been healthy for his first four years and they gave him a huge max? They wouldn't have been able to afford Iguodala or Durant, but then the ankle injuries had come later. There's nothing that they could have done to control that. And they certainly didn't control his early ankle injuries. But... It worked out pretty well for them, I'd say. There's a little bit of luck there. There's also a lot of skill, of course. They picked the right guys to sign. They moved the cap around, first to get Iguodala, then to get Durant as well. They drafted very well with Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green. All great stuff. There's a little bit of luck there, too. Now, with Jerry West, again, we don't know what role he played. We don't know if he was the architect of all the good things that they did, or maybe he was sitting in the room saying, no, we shouldn't draft Draymond Green, and then Draymond Green turned out great. Maybe he's sitting in the room saying, we should, do, we should go sign this guy instead of Iguodala, and then Iguodala comes in and wins finals MVP in 2015. We don't know. And that's the kind of thing that I think we have to be comfortable as fans just accepting that we don't know. It's like when people want to talk about coaching. The reality is the vast majority of coaching cannot possibly be evaluated unless you are in practice, in the locker room, in the huddle. Watching on TV, we only see so much. And so that's why I'm always hesitant to be overly critical of coaches because we see these adjustments or lack of adjustments, but we don't know what they're trying to do. All we see is a result. And I think that's another way to look at executives. We don't know what voice Jerry West had in the Warriors organization exactly. But we know that he's highly respected. We know that he's built championship teams before for the Lakers. And I think that it's, just, I mean, it's great to have him on board, but I wonder what his agenda is. Because the Warriors were so good, and he wanted a new challenge, so he came to the Clippers. Just like when the Lakers had that three-peat with Kobe and Shaq, 
he left the Lakers under uncertain circumstances, but according to him, to seek a new challenge with the Memphis Grizzlies. He did quite well in Memphis, although obviously he didn't establish a dynasty there. What's his agenda with the Clippers? I don't think his agenda is to come in and watch Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Rukin Barmute, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan sign a mid-level guy to come off the bench, sign a couple minimum salary veterans, win 55 games, win a contested first-round playoff series, losing six games in the second round. I don't think that's his quote-unquote new challenge. So I wonder what his agenda is with the Clippers. And I, you know, what, what's his to-do list? Because he can't, he's not the coach. So he's not going to come in and say, yeah, I like the guys that we have, but let's try playing a different way. Let's mix up our rotation, whatever. So it seems to me that in order for him to view this Clippers team as a challenge, it's something he wants to work on, and that means he wants to make changes. And so that really leads me to wonder what kind of changes he wants to make. Are Chris and Blake both staying in his mind? Maybe he wants to build around Chris Paul. Maybe he wants to build around Blake Griffin. Maybe he wants both to leave and to start over. Or maybe he wants to keep both of them, and I think that's probably most likely because, again, he's 80 years old and he wants to be successful, but keep Chris and Blake, but then make some big changes around them. Maybe letting J.J. Redick leave, moving DeAndre Jordan for a downgrade at center since that position seems to be less important in today's NBA, try to get a draft pick, try to get some wing help, make more radical changes than run it back and sign a new guy with the MLE and then replace some of your minimum salary veterans. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what that vision is that he has for the team and to what extent he's able to implement it competing with Doc Rivers' vision and Steve Ballmer's vision. So I think we'll, you know, a lot of it we're going to have to be guessing who's influencing what. And maybe we'll get some indications in the future of who's sitting in the big chair at the head of the table. But for now, I think... It's a good thing, but there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And that's kind of the same thing with the stadium deal. It's good that the Clippers are considering it. A move would be good, but there's a lot of murkiness and uncertainty. As far as Jerry West goes, he's here now. You know, that's that's happening. It's a done deal. And I think it's a very good thing to have him. But what exactly his vision is, is still very much up in the air. Now, before I totally close off the end of this episode, I just want to let you guys know that we have right now at the Locked On Network an NBA mock draft going on. So be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast where there's going to be a new episode every day starting yesterday doing six picks a day going through the first round. One through six, seven through 12, etc. Now, I don't want to give too much away because we aren't to that day yet, but there is a day next week where... I, as the Clippers GM in this exercise, did make a trade to get into the draft. It's not anything super exciting, um, but I think it's interesting. It's something worth thinking about. It probably isn't even, you know, if I was actually the GM of the Clippers, I probably wouldn't have made this trade. But because it is just a mock draft, I think it's a, a good avenue to explore and discuss and talk about. So we'll get into that a little bit next week regarding the Clippers side of things. But if you're a draft junkie or even if you're just 
an NBA fan looking for something to devote your NBA time to in the next week as we lead up to the NBA draft, be sure to check out check out the Locked On NBA podcast where they're doing the draft announcement and analysis over the next week. And then if you are a Reddit person, the hosts of the different Locked On NBA podcasts on the days that their team drafts are doing Reddit AMAs, which means ask me anything, and basically doing question and answers regarding their teams, the draft, etc. on Reddit. And the first one was yesterday with picks one through six. The AMA on Reddit was a big hit, so if you're a Reddit person, be sure to check that out. I will be doing next Tuesday, I believe. I think that's the day that, that I'm on the Reddit AMA is next Tuesday. So be ready for that. But again, if you if you just want to get some knowledge on the NBA draft in general, check out the Locked On NBA podcast, hear all of that good stuff and analysis, and then head on over to Reddit for the AMAs. Now that is going to wrap up today's episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lucas Han. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can hit me up on Twitter at LucasJHan. You can email me lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Clips Nation blog at clipsnation.com. That's where we had all of the real-time breaking news yesterday regarding the stadium and Jerry West. And as we get into the draft and free agency, Clips Nation is like literally the place to go for real-time Clippers news, reaction, analysis. So be sure you're checking that as the offseason goes on. You can also follow along at Clips Nation SBN on Twitter. And by liking the Clips Nation Facebook page, just type Clips Nation in the Facebook search bar. Click like. You won't regret it. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. This is Lucas Hand signing off for Lockdown Clippers.